when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? Welcome back to Waypoint's end-of-year video game celebration. As I've said before, for the next couple of weeks, we are going to be diving into some of our favorite games across something like 10 different podcast episodes. I've already broken down how it's going to work, so I'm not going to go over all of that uh, again, but I will say there will be a mix of deep dives, sort of mini Waypoint 101s about some of our favorite games of of, uh, 2018, and also little one-on-one interviews between members of the Waypoint staff uh, as we dig deeper into our own personal list to make sure that none of those small games get missed in the celebration and conversation. Today, we are going to talk about what might be my favorite game of the year. So my list is still up in the air as, as the time that we're recording it, but it's 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 going to be number one or number two is really what it's going to come down to. Uh, and I think it's going to be number one. Uh, I made a realization today, which is I think all top three of my uh, of my top three games are mech games. <laughs> so just being <laughs> my entire self right now. Oh, wait, um, wait. These lists are ordered? They can be. You don't have to be. We're, we're okay. Welcome to Waypoint. You know, <laughs> you put, a, put a Waypoint yeah, on the I map, go much. on a journey. You know, in, yeah. in, in necessity, there will sort of always be a formal order because sure. whichever one you put last will be either last or understood to be first, right? So right. primacy yeah. and, and recency, baby. There's no escaping it. We live in linear time, whether we want to or not. We experience things as they happen. That was the voice of, <laughs> of, of Ricardo Contreras Cado. Uh, thank you for joining us to talk about Battletech. Also Man. here, uh, the big bear himself. What's, I don't know what your call sign is, Rob. <laughs> what, is your, what is your call sign? Oh, it's, it's my handle I use for everything, uh, which is Flipcraft. Right, sure, Flipcraft doesn't, but it doesn't have the energy that I think. I yeah, think it, like it, like my battle, like my battle tech, my Mech Warrior call sign. What yeah, is it? Yeah, uh, I mean, Kodiak wouldn't be a bad one. Are uh, we all no. various bears? <laughs> is the question? Because like, you know, I have to be Papa Bear at this point, right? Yeah, I wish absolutely. I could just hack the game so that instead of saying Commander, all of the all of the Papa all of my Bear? units said Papa Bear. That would be incredible. Someone make that mod, please. <laughs> um, so let's talk about BattleTech. Uh, let's stop beating around the bush because I think we were all very excited by this game earlier this year, and I kind of want to start with a little bit of lead up. Uh, I think my feelings about mechs in general are pretty well known. People know that I'm a fan, <laughs> and that ranging from kind of Western stompy mechs in the BattleTech and Mech Warrior universe to kind of faster flying mechs in the Gundam and and uh, Japanese uh, mecha uh, genre. Well, well well described already everyone everyone knows that about me but i'm curious for kato and rob uh where were you on mechs and where were you on battletech both as a franchise uh, of novels and a cartoon show and a, a tabletop war game um uh and as a and as a video game series um before this game came out let's start with you rob uh i mean i am a long-standing battletech fan 
uh, that goes back to when I played MechWarrior 2, uh, the you know, the sort of shooter from Activision, sort of mm-hmm. sim-flavored shooter. And I was reading, I was, I was reading the mission briefings because remember they have these huge lore yeah. dumps yeah. in the mission briefings. This was my first exposure to BattleTech, and I realized none of this made any sense. <laughs> clan, uh, Clan Jade Falcon, uh, Clan Wolf Wardens, Crusaders, mm-hmm. a trial of refusal. What the fuck is a trial <laughs> of refusal? Like, are we fighting a war or is this ritual combat? Mm-hmm. Turns out it's both. Mm-hmm. And my solution, and this sort of sets the template for me just as a human being, is rather than, well, this is, there are no wikis you can go to back no, in this era. Sure so my not. solution is Blood of Kerensky trilogy by Michael Stackpole. I should read this. Mm-hmm. In fact, I should read this and then read all the Battletech novels. So I went all the way down that rabbit hole. Got into the tabletop game, which immediately supplanted the Mech Warrior games for me uh, for a while because it just felt so much more like the action in the novels, so yeah. much more, uh, less of a gimmicky shooter where, like, you play the shooter, blow off their legs, get the biggest, meanest gun you can, and just, like, take legs do off that, right Do that left. damage, yeah. Yeah, but the board game is just this grinding attrition, death from above. You really feel the weight of, of, of the battle of the of the battle mech, uh, and so I got all the way into that for a good many years until the franchise as a whole began to, I would say, wane a little bit. Uh, Fossa began to hit harder and harder times. Uh, the the overarching plots of that universe ended up kind of on a cul-de-sac. Right, and they ended up kind of shit canning a lot of it to make room for the HeroClix series. Uh, I want to say the the MechWarrior Dark Age stuff, which I heard heard was very good, but it also basically blew away all the arcs they'd spent the last like ten years establishing. So I kind of went away. I left BattleTech and I parted ways, but this kind of got my attention from the first because it was back to the classic era when. Arguably, BattleTech had its best balance. Uh, getting back to those early, like pre-clan, pre-clan invasion mechs, right? Yeah, and it is. And this was the important part. I love the BattleTech tabletop game, but the last time I played it, I realized, holy shit, have times changed? And kind of left this behind. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want a game that feels like that. I don't want to play that right. anymore. Right. And I was kind of hoping this would check that box. Uh, Kato, how about you? Coming into BattleTech, what was your experience with the franchise and with with mechs and tactics games? Uh, so, as far as my childhood, mechs, I was really into Power Rangers. So it was like Sentai, sure. Super Robots, sort of stuff. Yeah, and, like always thought those were cool as a kid. Um, specifically, Mech Warrior actually hopped on during the Dark Age Hero Clicks thing. That was my first introduction to the series. Um, I never really got into the lore, but I really enjoyed it, and like it was kind of my first. This was my. This was introduced to me at the first time I went to a D and D based uh, club at high school. Like this was my first introduction to tabletop gaming in general. Was was D and D, and then also this specific tabletop. Oh, that's the, interesting. The Battle, uh, Mech Warrior Dark Age, which was like the clicks yeah. system, which right. moved it into something a little more mainstream or a little, a little, a little less like break out the ruler and right, and, right. and kind the, well, of actually, it still had a ruler. Oh, okay. You were great. still measuring out <laughs> like it, the the thing that it simplified was kind of the damage taken and given. Right, right. That was where the click base came into was like right. when you took damage, you would click it down, stats would change and such. Um, so it like simplified 
that bit, but left in the like movement, like the the like firing arcs on all that. I am so um, retroactively mad at my local comic and gaming store because they yeah. did not where, where I ended up working eventually. But like they had the Crimson Sky clicks, they had the Hero clicks, which are the ones that were super popular, which is right. Marvel and DC characters and and uh, independent comic book like characters. Um, they even had I want to say they even had Mage Knight, which was another big one at the time, um, and they maybe even had some of the Shadowrun stuff, but they did not have the Mech Warrior stuff. Oh no! I had That's completely forgotten that this existed, and I'm now retroactively really. mad at myself and uh, Jester's Playhouse from South Jersey <laughs> for not for not putting me on these earlier. Um, but yeah, that was uh, it was great. So like, Mech Warrior has always been at this like this introduction of me into tabletop mm-hmm. gameplay, and um, I never like I remember the like kind of I don't even remember the names of the houses, but I remember the symbols and stuff, sure. and like that kind of carried forward. But like. That was that was kind of it. I never even touched any of the Mech Warrior video games. Like I feel like I, it was either like the wrong console that I didn't own. Like I always like there was always like something in the way of me really getting into the games. Um, but um, this this like I remembered my time so fondly with the tabletop that I was really interested in, kind of seeing how that translated into, you know, video game form. Mm -hmm. And I was also on a stint of playing XCOM and being kind of frustrated with the fact that for me, the way I ended up playing that game, the only way that it ended up working for me was playing it while streaming Mm. with people who knew what was happening in the chat helping. Sure. Right? Like, and Battletech came through and was kind of the opposite like I didn't need and like it felt like simple to like understand but deep once you want to really get into it in a way that XCOM felt like kind of the obfuscation there is uh very different you know it's really interesting um, I, it's it's fun because I think when we talk about Battletech with the rest of the staff here you know it's it's funny to hear uh, Patrick or even Danielle talk about it because you know Danielle obviously has put a billion hours into into the breach, uh, which yeah. which we will also be talking about this week. Um, and Patrick is a big fan of XCOM and is currently in the middle of falling in love with Mutineer Zero, other tactics based <laughs> games. But there is something about watching BattleTech that makes them think, oh, this thing is a more complex and a more uh, uh, a harder game to get into. And I think it's partially one of the big things is it sounds like all of us came into this game with certain knowledge of, if not even particular rule sets. Uh, you know, I think we all had some knowledge of the rule sets, but also just knowing certain conventions of how this sort of combat would work. Um, the XCOM series did such a great job uh, with Enemy Unknown. At setting, at, at bringing in conventions from from uh, other recent games that communicated something well, you know, XCOM Enemy Unknown shows up right in the middle of the or towards the end, maybe even of the cover shooters uh, uh, kind of apex in the games industry, and so you have lots right. of people who are like, "Oh, I get this. I put someone behind cover, and they, there's a less of a chance of them getting hit." Battletech doesn't have that. And Rob, that was one of the big things that you pointed out in your review, right? It was like, this is a game about attrition. This is a game about huge walking tanks slamming into each other. And damage is a necessity. Taking damage is a necessity. In XCOM, you want to get through a map without 
ever taking any hits because taking hits means often means like you're going to permanently lose someone in BattleTech, you can get beat to shit and it still costs you something but what it costs you is money and time more than losing a character not that you you can't lose a character you absolutely can and i absolutely have <laughs> um but there was this this feeling of like it's... rest in peace every decker ever yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> pour one out for decker um uh, but there was this feeling in BattleTech of um, of it being less of a fencing match where every hit is a point and more of a prize fight where you end up where like, hey, everybody's a little bruised. Everyone's a little battered at the end of this fucking thing. Uh, Rob, can you talk about that a little bit and, and maybe tell me like how, when was the moment that, that came through and, and what were some of the moments that really captured you while playing? Gosh, I think that entire aspect of Battletech provides a bit of a remedy toward a Maybe not necessarily even a trend, but just a place that a lot of tactics games tend to end up, mm. which is I think they have a built-in bias toward perfectionism yes. toward the clean run and discouraging you from sort of playing it as it lays. And which is weird because I, I think there are, even if you're not consciously designing a game to push people in that direction, I think especially when you have sort of a meta campaign where units are gaining experience and power and capacity, it really makes it difficult for people to eat a loss. Yeah. And for that loss to feel satisfying. Like, that becomes a... Yeah, like, think about something like like the Fire Emblem series, right? Which is... Which is I love that series, and also... I will restart a map the second I lose a character. I will I will yeah. restart a map the second it feels like I'm going down a path that might lose me a character. It's like playing chess if you if you wanted to throw out each game that you lost a pawn in. Um, <laughs> and that's ridiculous, right? In some real way. I mean, it isn't ridiculous because all of my well, Fire Emblem children are mine and I love them and want to protect them. But Battletech <laughs> gets away from it. Well, and the other part of that is a lot of times that cuts against the spectacle we sometimes want to see from a tactics game, which is units shooting it out, mm -hmm. just the high explosives flying in every direction. If the more perfectionist you get, the more likely you get into a very surgical, very deterministic model of, of combat. Uh, whereas I think Battletech from the first, the hit percentages are so high that in general, like everybody's going to get hit. You can make your mech more or less evasive, but chances are like somebody's going to get if somebody shoots six guns at you uh -huh. <laughs> one or two of them is going to is going to score a hit and battletech sort of hammers that home but i think it really starts introducing this inevitability in the plot missions i think the plot missions do a great job of sort of giving you the sense of the escalating stakes uh -huh. and the escalating difficulty of uh like the missions you're going to be confronting i think a really Eye-opening one for me and kind of a gut-wrenching one is an early mission in the campaign where you have to um, you have to go storm a dropship landing pad, uh, basically. This is uh, probably like your third or fourth uh, mission. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, I want to say it's, um, I want to say it's Panzer. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're basically right, landing right, right. in a dropship landing zone, so they can't bring in reinforcements, so that your rebel forces can score a clean win. But you have to storm this uh, pretty extensive dropship uh, field, and it starts out with you <coughs> coming down from the hills into an area already defended by by heavy armor. Uh, it's the first time you're, time you're really dealing with the fact that like armored vehicles have severe limitations, but they can be real. They can be real pests. 
Yeah. Uh, they, they can be enormously difficult to shoot to death. Uh, but traversing the ground to where you can just stomp them with your mech and get that double damage can also be a risky yeah. and, and painful endeavor. But that's only the first part of the mission. The next part of the mission, after you eat whatever da- whatever damage you have to do, um, the next part of the mission is you have to then take on a full like enemy squad, and they're not you know they're not a joke. Right. Their mechs tend to be a little bit heavier probably than what you're bringing to the battlefield. And the one that the the sequence that really got to me is there's this point where you're sort of storming a ramp. You have to get down into the main landing pad area, and you have to funnel down this this narrow ramp, and it makes a couple switchbacks, and it's a natural choke. And one of the enemy mechs is a hunchback, which is an like it's a it's a middling mech, but the thing it notably has is an auto cannon twenty, the biggest like single shot, just like this thing is like. Firing massive uh, rounds. Like a howitzer at the scale of a shotgun, you know? like Yeah. So what really stuck out for me in this mission was there was a point where the Hunchback was closing in on one of the pilots in one of my heaviest mechs. And I jumped one of my most elusive mechs. I think it was, um, at this point, Glitch Uh in a Vindicator. And just popped her in there at medium range just to like kind of distract the the hunchback was uh the hunchback i think we'd blown out the gun uh but it was just starting to melee yeah and we were just trying to bring this thing down it's wounded animal it was just pummeling so i put the vindicator between uh behemoth and the hunchback and the vindicator is basically like it was basically pristine Uh and then the hunchback just like and you hear (laughs) i'm like when the pilot gets killed yeah Uh uh-huh it's a really shocking moment because you hear these characters talk on the radio all the time. Constantly. When the cockpit gets hit, you have a brief moment where they realize that they're about to die. They scream and the mic cuts. Yeah. Usually in a really upsetting, like, electronic and crunching metallic yeah. sound. And then they're gone. All it takes and is that's one exactly hit. All it takes what, is one yeah. hit. This is, you're hitting something God. in this whole story that... that about something that Battletech hit so right that I hadn't been able to put into words until now. Um, I, I have spent this year watching a lot of chess videos on on YouTube. Uh, there's a there's a, a specific chess guy who who will be. In, I'll note this in an essay I'm writing right now, so you can look up who I'm talking about then. Um, uh, but the the one of the things that I've come to understand differently about chess this year is thinking about chess as uh, about being board control, more about peace taking. Um, and one of the things that Battletech, and you can have tactic, tactics games about both of those things, right? Um, generally speaking, I think XCOM is a game about peacetaking. XCOM is a game, certainly you have to care about where your, your troops are positioned, where your squad, you know, you have six people, make sure that they're spread out in decent directions and they're all safe and in cover and that they're not grouped together and all that. Like, I'm not saying there's none of that. But um, you're kind of thinking about like, okay, I have to take aliens off the board constantly in XCOM to keep the flow of incoming damage down. My best defense is a good offense there. One of the things about Battletech that's so strong is that it can operate at different scales using the same types of units. So in the story you just told, there's a moment when you're kind of having this conversation about um, 
fronts about, okay, do you want to march over one of your, one whole unit to go deal with a couple of fucking tanks? To go step on some armor, some, like, medium armor units on the ground who are pestering you, but are are not, um, they're not other battle mechs, right? So it's, it's not kind against kind, in a sense, and so every time you do that in this game, it's a necessary thing to do, but it feels like this big grand strategy or or even just a, just a war game moment of moving a whole battalion, right? The battle mechs can be like battalions unto themselves. You can say, all right, I have this good mid-tier all-arounder who maybe has some some small missiles or some short-range or uh, uh, SRMs and LRMs, short and long-range missiles, and maybe has like some medium lasers, and they can hold down the fort over to the west, right? Um, and, and so you have that m- moment, but then you also get this other thing that is duels, is my mech versus your mech, and it's one-on-one, and so the same game can give you the feeling of being a battalion commander or a duelist, and that is a really hard thing to do, and it, it gets to what some of the fantasy around mechs uh, uh, is at, at its core. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, can I just get to... What you're describing, that feeling of the battle mech in itself becomes like a unit that is like larger than a single combatant, yes. right? It feels like you can commit them to a front, to to a sector. Um, this is a feeling that I think was lacking a little bit in the launch edition of the mm. game because some things behaved a little bit wonky in the in the launch edition of the game. They worked in the scripted missions, but how many times would you start a mission and all the enemy reinforcements would be there from the beginning? From the jump. They yeah. weren't enemy right. reinforcements. They'd be right. there right at the start. Yeah. So you just had to accept that sometimes, oh, I'm fighting six enemy mechs out of the gate or eight <laughs> out of the gate instead of dealing with two discrete groups. Uh, since the game came out, they have fixed a lot of that stuff. So reinforcements are popping up at... Uh, more after more appropriate intervals uh, from from when the battle is initially joined, but the other thing is just I feel like with a combination of how maps are cycling, how reinforcements are being fed onto the battlefield, what I'm encountering a lot now that I didn't really encounter in the launch edition of the game, which I already loved, but I'm having a lot more of those engagements where, like, in front of me, I've got my main objective. And the initial forces I was engaging. And then suddenly, like, long-range fire starts coming in from behind. And you know, like, none of the mechs that are on your scanners fired. Uh, So reinforcements are here. They are are already taking uh, shots from beyond visual range using the targeting data of the guys who are already fighting. So now you have this problem of, do I try to rush forward? and take out this remaining group or do i peel off a couple units and begin skirmishing with the reinforcements and try to prevent them from coming right in on my backside and sort of crunching me yeah and that becomes a really interesting it does feel like at that point it is a battle that is larger than the XCOM scale where everyone is immediately like trying to provide flanking support for another unit that's immediately there sometimes in battle tech you will end up, even though you're only controlling like four characters, you will end up in a situation where it feels like you have your main fight and now an entirely separate tactics game, an entirely separate board has opened up behind you. And which side of this do you play the two units? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, which, which side of this do you prioritize? How do you eventually cause these two battles to merge in a way that doesn't involve you getting overmatched, but instead... Uh, leaves you in control of the overall engagement. That's really rewarding. It's something this game has done a great job of providing as it has developed since release. Totally. Kato, is there a moment? Go ahead. Oh, oh, what I was going to say to that is like, I feel like 
a lot of that has a lot to do with the way the mechs are so directional, right? Because there yes. is a front side and a back side. There's different armors on those uh, sides as well. They, like, you have to, uh, you can, like, you can do this weird, like, side engagement where you get someone right on the edge of a firing arc and as you plan to turn around or, like, not expose yourself as much as well. Like, there's all this, like, directional stuff that really helps that feeling of, like, different fronts because you're, only, you know, you can only fire so far in, in a certain mm-hmm. arc. Um, and also just the fact that they included in the UI this the, the kind of striations in your firing arc so you can see what different weapons kind of work at different like distances easily mm-hmm. really really helps kind of like put forward this this like it's like the placement is obviously this happens in other tactics games but like let less this idea of like cover being the only way that you place things like the placement is contingent on like what weapon and armor like each individual unit has more specifically than those than like an XCOM. totally totally and all that stuff i think adds up to a greater deal an even greater deal of identification with the unit as unit like rob yeah. we've been we've been streaming XCOM together for a year now uh you know on average let's say once every three weeks uh that average is higher at the middle of the year um and we have a lot of attachment to those characters, but a lot of that is because we've invested in them. We've given them funny names. We've made sure their looks are really distinct and that there's a lot that sets them apart from each other. And we've, there's a, you know, the bond system that's in the game now helps with that. But one of the things that's just in the game from the jump in Battletech are um, <clears throat> just an, in, an increase in identification because of uh, the way that, like you just said, Kato, where you put things on certain arms and certain uh, places, losing a really good shotgun really right. hurts, or a really good AC-20, or le- losing a, a rare gun that you got from a story mission. Or I lost a heat sink recently, like a double heat sink, which <laughs> which is like an ancient piece of technology that, right. that does a great job of keeping a mech uh, cool, and it sucked. Like, I didn't lose a gun. I didn't lose a pilot. I lost a heat sink, and it made me, like, grimace. But the beauty of the game is I pushed through it and finished the mission because finishing the mission still felt like a success despite that loss. And that's impressive. Yeah. Well, and again, I think it speaks to that aspect of other tactics games. It's very feast or famine. Yeah. A unit doesn't – a unit might get wounded – and you're playing a bit of a push your luck game, but fundamentally, a character on one hit point can do all the things that a character mm-hmm. on twelve hit points can do. Whatever. Uh, in BattleTech, you have this death by a thousand cuts. You have steady degradation of equipment and material, and that provides this other really cool feeling to these engagements of. When you see another enemy unit, like, you know, a trebuchet, for instance, which is just this uh, long-range missile-firing pest of a mech that I love to have on my side and I hate dealing with uh, <laughs> on the on the other enemy side. But when you have somebody score in a lucky shot early on that knocks out one of those LRMs, you immediately feel this, ha, that thing just, like, collapsed in value. Yeah. Like, now it is literally half as dangerous as it was. And I can now shift tar- targeting priority mm-hmm. if I want to, right? Like now that unit is diminished, I can weigh it differently in my calculations. Yeah. The same thing is happening as you're playing. And so you have this wonderful sense of, you know, a unit that predominantly relies on 
long range weapons suddenly has them shot off. Yeah. What do you do with it? Or something closes distance on you and suddenly right. you're like, well, fuck. Like they're within my firing arc. My LRMs are not effective here. Or they'll, they'll miss here. Uh, they won't hit at all, or 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 you know they'll just get in on me close too quickly. If I just stay here, do I retreat? Do I take the lucky shot and maybe try to death from above them and jump up and land on them? And all that stuff is great. And there's and there's so many permutations of it. Right. Like the what do you do? This is the the other wonderful thing about this push your luck aspect to BattleTech is what do you do when a unit is basically still fine? You get like a heavy mech. It's uh-huh. like basically all its systems are still working. It's in great shape, great shape, except except. The head armor is really wounded. Yep. Like it took a shot there, and like the next shot <laughs> is dead. is coming through the yeah. cockpit. Uh huh. Yeah. And there's a lot of enemy mechs out there with missiles, and like and you it's fire your... enough shit at a mech, something's gonna hit. Something's the head. gonna hit, and it's yeah. Decker. But... It's your friend Decker. You've kept Decker alive yeah. this whole time. <laughs> and so you're sitting there, and like this mech could either last like ten more turns of heavy combat, or it could be killed. With a feather blow yeah. in the mm-hmm. right place. And I don't know which of those two things, like, how do I calculate this? How all in am I on this fight? And that's more of a concern in the contract missions, especially with the new update flashpoints. Yeah. Uh, when you're not playing just for plot stuff, when you are now playing for making ends meet at the end of your at the at the end of the month and paying for mech refurbishment, uh, you know, resupplies, mech warrior contracts. Suddenly, that mech that like is fine, it's still a great unit, but is also kind of hanging by a thread. Yeah. Suddenly, that cal- calculation changes a lot mm-hmm. and becomes really interesting. Do I just want to pull this thing out? Is this thing just done and we're going to scrub it? Have you ejected much? Have yeah. either of you ejected in the game? Because there's a moment because you can eject your pilots whenever you want. And, hard thing to do, and it's hard. Yeah. So, so for people who maybe haven't played this game that much or who who haven't seen it at all, um, on top of having your mech who that can take damage, your pilots also all can take damage. Uh, they take damage when one of the when the cockpit gets hit directly. If the mech gets knocked down, which is a major part of this game, and knocking down a mech so that you can then kind of do a called shot on one, or when um, one of the like side torso units takes damage or explodes. Um, not just takes damage, but when it when it, it explodes or when there's like an internal explosion from a critical hit, the the pilot takes damage because they're getting knocked around inside of this like tin can cockpit. Um, and by default, you start with three HP, and that can go up if you level them up a certain way. But you get down to that that like one HP left, and there've been a couple of times when I've where I have pulled the eject handle and been like, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I witness is a top tier tactician who is in like a super heavy, is like a salt class, um, uh, missile boat for me. I cannot lose. I cannot lose him. If he dies, like I, my entire strategy falls apart. And so I'm going to pull the plug. He's going to get out and maybe I even lose them. Like maybe I, I lose the mission and that's okay. Like I'll take that, that drop of, of wasted money and time, you know, but I'd rather get him out of there safely than risk getting, getting him killed. Um, have either of you ever done the ejection? Damn. No, so it's too real I, fucking I, hard-nosed. <laughs> I've done it. I The thing is, I basically do it when, like, death is imminent. Right, and I'm sure. very much of that mold of, like, and this is probably not unlike me as a person. I'm like, I can pull this back. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah. this, this can yeah. work. I will be yeah. careful. I'll find I it. I will, I think, 
there is a way, like, I'll just keep this person back. I'll keep them from getting exposed. I think we'll make this work. And by the time my calculations shift over to the pilot needs to get the fuck out, it is too late. Yeah. Yep. It was yep. the yep. last turn <laughs> was because the other thing is the AI is ruthless about targeting priority. Mm-hmm. If there is blood in the, the water, the AI barring some other, like, some other heavy had like variables that will heavily weight their calculations in the other direction. Yeah. Otherwise, if there's the least scent of blood in the water, the AI will target down, target down, target down the weakened unit until it is dead. Yeah. And so you might be looking there and like you're sitting there, you got a unit that is a little bit weakened more than the others, and it's in a decent position to be targeted, but it's still fundamentally okay. You have to be thinking it's going to be shot four times. Yeah. People are going to <laughs> yep. unload on this thing. <laughs> yep. Is it okay to the point Getting shot at four full salvos, that guy, that pilot yeah. is going to survive. And I'm like, I feel lucky. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like that speaks a lot to the fact that, like, a mech isn't out. Like the the like lifespan of a mech is so long, much longer than like a normal unit in most of these types of games, right? Like, even if it's missing a leg, as long as it still has all its guns, yep. like you can still you can still do damage with that thing. Or even if it's missing a few of them, it can still be a distraction and like kind of like flanking to to like you know cause a split in the other forces or whatever. Yeah. Like there's uses for mechs even when they're like on their last legs and like that has me always being like i can still find a use for this <laughs> and like i never eject and then i fucking you know i lose that's how i lost decker sure i lost decker on the argo mission the uh what was it again um the capture the, the argo mission capture the argo like the, mission. you're going up against a pirate queen to steal this ancient ship spaceship she has uh, yeah, that is that is she's just using it as like a ground base, but, you know, can be converted into this like really powerful spaceship. Um, yeah. And it's a brutal and mission. It's a that mission is it's was like the rough. The real battle tech starts here, you know? Yes. Ax- yeah. And like this was the end. Like she was on death's door. <sighs> I I needed one more shot. No, I had just knocked off one of her arms that had like her big gun. I forget what exactly it was, but. Decker had just knocked it off the 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 turn prior. Everyone else was like really messed up, but Decker I had kept far away enough that he was like basically fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I make the mistake of then standing in front of this. I swear, any one shot from any other mech would have taken this thing down. I stood Decker in front of this. It's like the heaviest class thing you've seen yeah, in the like game the first up until heavy this point. You fought. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And take the shot don't move him at all like the big big mistake for yeah, us don't even one. move yep. especially the at fucking... launch especially at launch to not get those yes. evasion ticks big the evasion tick like i i don't know if i what happened or what i like i blanked i did not you thought you were going to get, get the, kill. the evasion ticks That's the thing that happened. I, yeah happened i was like it was <laughs> and like i was like this thing is basically dead it has one gun yep that fucking headshot stecker the next turn like out. And that's the, and then like that's, oh it's so good because like yeah how often do I say the thing that brings me to games is the ways that we can tell stories with systems yes. that this game is filled with it um and and it's, I, mean, I want to be clear there are also stories by stories you know through stories in this game yeah, like yeah. The, good stories that the the arc of Kamiya and the restoration of of the Arano legacy like 
that story is fantastic. I think that it's like um, it gives you just enough wiggle room to be kind of rolling your eyes at the idea of restoring a noble house while still <laughs> collecting a paycheck um, right. or being a diehard loyalist if that's the way you want to play. Uh, and it's beautifully rendered. I think the music is fantastic. I think the voice acting is incredible. I love my ship's crew. Um, but it's the, the way that stuff mingles with the systemic stuff that ends up being the best, right? I, I recently got an event. I think they added a bunch of new events via Flashpoint. Um, Rob, I don't know if, if that's a thing you know for sure. Um, but uh, I got an event that was like, um, some of my crew were like, hey, boss, you got to see this video. And I was like, what's up? And here, I'm just going to read from it. Um, uh, Dr. Murad uh, rewinds and restarts the video. The timestamp says 2.38 a.m. Seven wet, naked bodies come flying out of the new low-G pool installation and into the hall. Four women, three men, all laughing and bouncing off of each other. Well, this is way more nudity than I was prepared to see this morning, Sumire says. Yang laughs. Seriously, how am I supposed to work with those people now? At this point, Sumire begins cracking up. Too true. Too true. And you get an option. Erase the recording or address the crew. And the the idea of like, oh, fuck. My, like, the crew that two minutes ago or two <laughs> days ago in the game was exchanging shots with space pirates over a political prisoner and who came, like, you know, a, a moment away from death. One one wrong missile salvo or they did have to eject or the, the, their mech's legs were taken out from under them. Like, and they were laying on the ground and only a, a last second, you know, headshot from across the map for me saved them. Like, that stuff makes those little fun event chains or, or, or random events uh, while traveling through space that much more meaningful and helps like situate them and move them out of the category that's just like, oh yeah, these are randomly pulled from a pool to like, oh no, it's not just seven people. Like that's Witness, that's Rooster, yeah. that's that's Root. Those are, that's my crew right there, you know? And like that is it would be so easy for that game to have just spit the, spit these out and for these not to hit for me. But because the game gives you such a strong feeling of connection with the characters in the combat. Uh, these events ended up working with me 100%. By the way, I erased the tape. What my crew does in their off time, I don't, you know, they yeah, let them have you know, fun. Just chill, whatever. They all got a high He's spirits a bonus scene, or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Morale was <laughs> up, you know? Um, yeah, I, um, go ahead. I, th- there's definitely more events uh, than, than there were before. I also really enjoy the degree to which the flashpoints themselves, uh, and I, I wrote a longer thing about this on the site, but... Flashpoint is a weird expansion because it's not like you get a big chunk of expansion combat that's like front and center. Yeah. And here's the new shit. Like War of the Chosen from the jump is like, here are the chosen and they change the game. And there's an entire like campaign layer that you have to deal with around the chosen. Uh, With the Flashpoint expansion, everything's much more like layered into the game as it already was. What it is really doing, it it is giving you more stuff to do in that open-ended mercenary (laughs) mech mech life uh, sim that you've got in Battletech. And the thing that I do appreciate about these flashpoints is they begin shading in a lot of the world of Battletech that I think was probably opaque to a lot of people who don't have 20 years of background with this ridiculous uh, (laughs) archaic sci-fi universe uh, and begins to get into a little bit what is the geopolitical context in which not only like your character finds themselves, but the Irano restoration is the main actor of the main campaign, the, 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 the main plot focus of the main campaign, where do they actually stand in relation to this, this wider world. What does all that mean? The flashpoints kind of answer that and they begin kind of gracefully 
giving you just enough of a taste of what each faction is going to be about as this franchise unfolds. Yeah. And I think they do it in a way that also lets you play some really fun handcrafted scenarios. There, there's moments in that campaign that um, help. There's a, there's a sense of scale in this campaign that I just love, uh, partially because it feels like you are truly on the periphery of bigger events, both in time and in location. So in time, you know, there are moments when we, we talked at length already about the Smithin mission, which is like a really difficult, tough mission for me at the time, because it was one that that encouraged me as a player to do to try to get all of the victory conditions instead of just settling for a definite win. But a couple of a couple of um, missions after that, you end up picking up uh doing a set of kind of hard missions but then the reward for it are these like assault class mechs with incredible power with weapons that you cannot find in the stores normally that you're not just going to find from rival mechs they're they're kind of uh uh you know battletech is sort of a game that at the start you know in 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 let's say the, the harebrained schemes game specifically is happening after kind of the fall of the, of the roman empire in a sense right things have already things were great and now things are less great we're kind of in in our in, our, in the remnants of of what was once this great civilization and so we've lost a bunch of great technology a lot of powerful technology technology and uh, you get some of it back and then a mission or two later you go back to the planet of smithin to liberate it uh and i believe it's to liberate it and you're just this like walking powerhouse you were just this incredible just like your whole all four of your people are so much strong there's a there's a truck outside that really wants to participate it's also an assault <laughs> class truck um and uh, uh that feeling of like oh wow there was this great history behind us becomes like realized and material when you find the the bunker filled with the remnants of it and then in, in the, go ahead go ahead rob you want to jump in on no this? i was going to say you were asking like great moments that moment stands out Dude, in this campaign it's so, so much. Good. it's a cool mission yeah. the ancient defense weapon reactivating but i also could never get that image out of my head of Kamea standing in that darkened mech bay. They do, do a great job with like animated portraits, yeah. basically. Like yep. they'll they'll bring up different layers at different points and sort of motion, like have a little motion in them. But the moment when the lights begin to come up and you see all these like pristine Star League Defense Force mechs mm -hmm. lined up and you realize like, oh shit, there's so many. Yeah, there's so many. Yep. And like, then the game lets you play with them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like it immediately puts you outside and says, "Like, yeah, these are yours. Have fun." Like you immediately get to march around in in these incredible. It's like finding. It's like not just finding like a suit of armor. It's like finding like uh, the philosopher's stone. You know what I mean? Like it's like a mythological thing you have stumbled into. It's so good. Um, and then and then the, the other half of that though is narratively there are these moments where I mean this is one of them, right? Where all of a sudden you're you're kind of brushing up against a slightly bigger power. You know, this is a game about a civil war inside of a, a, a one of the, a minor power in the periphery um, that has been allowed, in a sense, to exist because it's small enough not to get the attention of bigger players. And suddenly, a still small player, but one that's bigger than you, the, the Torian Concordat, is that right, Rob? Yep. Uh, gets, you know, they, they, you get their attention. Um through because of two different things one is is because of an, uh, something you do in combat against one of them but also because political games are happening and they are being maneuvered to be uh, opposed to you and they're even though they are a minor power in the grand scheme of the battletech universe their entry into this war is such a a pivotal moment that feels like ah oh, fuck like 
I thought I had control of this thing. I was finally starting to feel like I outclassed all these other schmucks in this backwater district of space. But now if the fucking Concordat's going to get here, we are in trouble. Like, they are going to lock these places down with technology and, and, and just numbers that I cannot compete with. And, and that was a really cool feeling. Yeah, that mission is great. You you have those like what appear to you to be super mechs, and you think this is just that mission. Every game has one of these. The mission where they give you a bunch of cool shit and they just let you run riot <laughs> over everybody else. Just it's gonna be a blast. And that mission gets like it ramps up so quickly as you realize that okay, I have these. I found I found these like named blades almost. Yes, that's a uh, great comparison. <laughs> Here is Dorendel. I found it. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, like a proper national army just showed up. Yeah. And that's not the scale at which you've been operating. And so, yes, you have these amazing pieces of equipment that you're dealing with, but also you realize it is that feeling, sort of this eldritch horror moment in the game. I think it plays with this a couple times this feeling there are greater powers out there that is easy to forget they exist because you get so caught up in the narrative of your, of your campaign, your mercenary contracts, that you forget that you are a, like a speck of dust right. in this universe. Yep. And suddenly one of the powers notices you. Yeah. Um, and I go ahead, per- personally, I like didn't even feel like a speck of dust at that moment because specifically from the point of getting the Argo, like that is such a large ship. That's like, like a big, that felt like such a big jump from like the very beginning of the game Yeah, that like, you feel like, like, yeah, like you were saying, like you've got, you're like making some moves. You've got this under control for a bit, but then you re- like, yeah, the scale totally shifts when you realize there's much bigger things than you out there. Yeah. Um. Any other big standout moments for the game? You know, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back. What I would love to hear is some standout moments. Good call, Rob. In the chat was like break, which I don't know that we <laughs> took one during our last one of these, but we should be taking those. So yeah, let's take a quick break. When we get back, uh, we'll talk about any other standout moments and maybe what we'd like to see from the franchise going forward. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And we are back to talk a little bit more about Battletech before we wrap up for the day. Um, so yeah, let's, let's see. Are there any other big moments that you want to call out here? Any other, any other, uh, things either from Flashpoint, um, which has changed the game quite a bit or from the original release? I could talk about this game all day. Like, Me too. I have I know. so <laughs> many stories. Absolutely. I know we both do. Uh, I think one of the things this game does that maybe doesn't get called out enough because it's such a low key success, mm-hmm. but it's such a hard thing to actually get right, which is. Having narrative stuff expressed through gameplay, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, through, especially in tactics game, where units are supposed to behave a little bit like chess pieces. Like, you want the AI to play optimally, you want them to make the smart move, all this stuff. There is a character in this game, Victoria Espinosa, who's yeah. kind of like the uh, reverse of the coin of the virtuous la- Lady Kamea Arano, uh, who you're serving. Like, if, you know, if, if you're serving sort of the model of aristocrat that believes in, like, service, in noblesse oblige, mm-hmm. in, like, responsibility, in... In, in charity in in mercy she has sort of the, the the dark counterpart which is somebody who believes in privilege in rank in power in uh you know in in preference all these things and you encounter her memorably twice and the first mission you encounter her in uh is a mission that also sort of has ramifications for that that uh moment where the Turian Concordat shows up yeah. uh, even though you don't know it at the time but in this mission uh which is kind of a pretty normal I think like smash and grab type mission at that point she shows up in the middle of it and she shows up in a very good uh battle mech I forget what she's I forget what she's piloting um I want to say is it like a catapult it might uh, be it's been so long. It's going to make me want to look it up. But yeah, whichever it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the thing is, she shows up. And you're on this like Martian hell, like this Martian industrial colony uh, type landscape. There's like red red dust blowing everywhere. The the sky is sulfurous. It feels like a mission taking place in like literal hell. <laughs> and she shows up with it is a catapult. Like, it is a catapult. Yeah. Called Kaga. It has a name. Like all great <laughs> mechs do. Yeah. yeah, she shows up with a great lance of mechs, and she's in a beast of a mech compared to what you have. And immediately, like, you know, she's arrogant, she's just a huge asshole, and she's like, let's go, let's square up. Mm-hmm. And so you start to fight. But the thing about her is, just as a matter of character, she's always got this tinge of, like, violent, like, uncontrolled violent rage in everything she does. Yep. And as you fight her... She just begins spamming uh, full salvos, what are called alpha strikes, in in Battletech parlance. She is firing every weapon she's got every turn. And the battle for me, this is the way this played out for me. Yeah. This thing was starting to get away from me. And my units are just trying to, like, just try not to get hit. Like, basically, we are running as much as possible, popping out from behind cover, taking a shot, just trying to evade. And she is losing it. She keeps firing everything she has until she cooks her mech. Right. Like, these things, they begin to, like, shimmer with, like, heat waves as they heat up. As they overheat, you begin to see, like, parts of parts of the machinery start to glow hot. If you go all the way to max heat, which I don't recommend doing for a whole variety of reasons, but <laughs> if you push it all the way to max heat, the mech, grow, like, glows white hot like molten steel i have not like i've never actually done that to a mech i don't think like i just never hit that point right like i, like, I might overheat a that's little bit that's because you're not consumed with a molten steel white hot rage the way victoria knows yeah. <laughs> is but that's the in point. this mission right. it felt like yeah what, what saved my ass in this mission 
is she just overcommitted yes. to the point where she shut her mech down? When a mech shuts down like that, basically it loses two full turns mm-hmm. and it is just sitting there, sitting duck. It can't shoot. It can't evade. It is just a static target for people to practice on at that point. And so she, like, we are hard pressed and suddenly she just unloads everything on one of my sort of jumpy evasive mechs that's up on a le- ledge. And that thing goes completely white shuts down uh i think it might have even fallen over uh it, be- things explode Damn. it takes damage internally right so it could have knocked off a leg who even knows yeah. right yeah so the thing is so the entire battle flips like suddenly she's off yeah. the board and we just unload like she's got the best mech we just unload on it destroy it wiper squad it's great but the entire thing hinges on the fact that she is out of control and yeah. it's the first time you see like yes they're on the winning side of this war right now they stole power but man, is it on a rotten foundation. Uh-huh. And that all comes back at the end of the campaign, I think in a beautiful way, which is you have to confront her again, but the circumstances are so different. It is a battle to an extent where nothing's at stake anymore. Yeah. Things are over and you have to face her. And where she is at emotionally, narratively, becomes so fascinating. And she is a disgusting villain in this game. Yeah. Uh, but there's but a, also you 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 have a measure of sympathy for you where you realize how how this person got so twisted. Yep, yeah, and 100%. why like it is that moment where you, like you you know somebody and you know they want to come back from this and they can't and they know it on some level they know there's they they cannot undo they've what crossed they've done. the Rubicon they cannot things yeah. cannot go back to a normal where she just goes back to to being your bud yeah. and being like in daily life the way she was once and it, and you can feel that yeah. In the tactics game. That is the weird, that is the special achievement in this game that I think is very hard for any sort of tactics game. I think Bungie nailed this sort of, sort of shit with Myth all the mm, way back in the day, but yeah. getting narrative feel to come across in tactical gameplay mechanics is a very, very hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Battletech does it a couple times, and I'm always impressed when they do. That's a yeah. great point, and I, I think it gets at a big part of why i like mechs so much and why i like stories uh, about mechs right these are big walking tanks these are these are military hardware in the shape of of humans um often not always but often and there is something very direct about that metaphor right oh here is the angry the angry the commander who literally ends up glowing red hot it is like something out of a saturday morning cartoon or an anime in which she loses her fight because she overcommits and goes you know so so determined to take you off the map overheats her mech there's something very simple about that but there's also something um that in the mech tactics genre and the tactic genre in general that that i think shows the the strength of the complexity here, right? There's a way to make a version of this game where it is just hyper complex. Um, there are plenty of tactics games and war games and mech games that do not do anything with that extra degree of of, uh, of complexity. That you know, yeah, you're, you're tracing, you're tracking. For instance, you're not tracking individual ammo rounds in this game, right? You have to buy ammo for your for your mechs, but like that ammo number is just kind of abstracted. You have an ammo unit that you put on your mech. It might cost money to refill. I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter, right? I'm not counting credits per, per bullet at this point. There's a, there are games that do that. Um, there are games that really are interested in doing a pure simulation of, or as close to a pure simulation as possible. Here, it's a game that's interested in, like, what can we 
say about the about the about the characters involved? How do you, as a mech commander, want to operate your squad? And each of those little choices gives a great deal of character to everyone you play as. Right? I I so you know I'm gonna pour one out for an entire line of characters who who worked for me <laughs> who died, and I know this because. Uh, it was Guts, who is one of your starters. No, Behemoth is one of your starters, right? Yeah. Um, yep. Who I expect as like a brawler, basically. High health, um, great mobility, got in, brawled it up. And I, I think she might have been in a hunchback for a while. Um, and then a character named Guts uh, inherited her, her mech. Uh, and she was also this like big fuck off lady who was just like, I'm going to get in your fucking face and, and beat the shit out of you. And then she died because that's a very risky place to be. <laughs> and then someone named Undertaker took over that hunchback. I'm like, again and again and again, I was putting these these like badass women who were super tough, who had high high uh, piloting and high whatever the brawling the the juggernaut skill is. What's the what is what is that skill chain called? Oh, what, like, now they've removed juggernaut. Or the one that Bulwark um, is in. Whatever the one Bulwark is in. Um, whichever it is, whichever it is. Uh, I had like three of them. And so by the end, I had lost Behemoth, Guts, and Undertaker all in that same mech. Uh, and so I ended up calling it, I ended up renaming it, and it was called like, you know, I still called it the Hunchback, but it was like the GBU Hunchback. Because it was like, all right, Guts, Behemoth, and Undertaker all died yeah. in this fucking thing. Um, and eventually, this character named Root inherited it. And she ended up, I think she ended up being the same voice actress as one of the earlier pilots. Um, <laughs> and she saw me through the rest of that game. Like, she ended up, she's my, my fucking, she's my brawler now. Uh, she has all of the health in the world. And one of my first big purchases with money at the end of the game when some, some, um, I think I got access to the black market uh, via Flashpoint. One of my first purchases was something that gives her three extra health points in the mech <laughs> so that, like, she will not just get taken out by attrition in that same way. Maybe a random headshot yeah. will still get her one day, but she's in this long line of characters, and that is so much of that was communicated mechanically. They had similar types of play. I put them in a similar mech, if not even the same specific one sometimes, uh, and and that complexity is what produces that and, and ends up letting mechs be these sort of uh, mythological analogs, right? Or, or, or mythical analogs uh, in terms of the human capabilities, in terms of who you are as, a, as your personality and, and how, you, how you get through things, um, you know? And, and that ended up being one of the coolest things for me. I, I love bringing story to games via, via the systems and Battletech again and again and again let me do that. So huge props there. Kata. And I feel like it's so it's it's even so intrinsic to like the mechanics that it happened. So I played multiplayer a bunch, right? Like it still happened in those moments. Like you would still have those moments of like this is this character doing like going all out because like be, when you don't have to kind of think about like the money aspect of like the regular campaign. When you're like, when you can like really push mechs like to the edge, like you, there's a lot more. I felt like I, I had a lot more stories of like that got riskier because you just want to win no matter what, right? And like, there's you know, like that all comes through in like how many deaths from above I would do versus what I would do in the regular game. Um, and like it was just like very, um, it let me like kind of. 
attach stories or role play these those specific units as like in a position where it's like it's do or die. Yeah. Right. Like no matter what, like they have to get out of this mission alive, not alive, but winning for whatever side they're winning, like they're fighting for. Right. Uh-huh. And like all of these like kind of last ditch effort like the death from above or like the fact that you can really really like the fact that you can overheat a mech if you need or if you want to all of these things that like um hurt you but if they hit can turn the tide of a battle are really great for making those like amazing like you know last ditch effort moments that are you know really stick with you even like that didn't just happen in the campaign through narrative there but like also in multiplayer matches i felt that like you know those like amazing moments totally i'm glad you spoke to the multiplayer rob and i had a really fun multiplayer battle at the end of our uh (laughs) our our 36 hour save point stream uh that was fantastic we should play some more battletech multiplayer because that was a blast before we go i'm curious from both of you what would you like to see from battletech in the future uh either either from harebrained as a studio or just from more battletech and mech warrior and, and more stuff in this space i'm actually super curious about what it because i come from the dark age like lineage that game had you had the mechs Uh but you also had ground troops and the armor the the, like little you know armored vehicles and infantry and all that it was always did it have planes Uh, yeah i think there were some also some you know flying like units and stuff yeah. yeah and so like it was and like I would be interested if there's a is if there's a way to incorporate other smaller units into your own lands, you know, mm-hmm. and like take control of those and like the ways that those are much more fragile and all that. Like I think would be really interesting as like an expansion of the tactics that are already there. Um, the way that ended up working mostly in Dark Age was that there was only ever one mech on your side, right? So it was kind of like the like pushing force, and then gotcha. you had all this other support. Interesting. Um, mostly sometimes you could fit in another smaller mech within the point by but like usually that's what would happen right um and i'd be interested in seeing that sort of play as well um even if it's multiple mechs but like still have like this other small units uh that can do you know different things and like have different like i don't know i i feel like that would be interesting to see i'm not necessarily sure if that's a thought in there because it's like very focused on having a lance full of mechs right yeah, now yeah. um rob how are you i mean that all that stuff does sound great like i mean the battletech novels that i read were often about how does the battletech fit into a much more complicated like military tactical landscape uh-huh. right? right infantry running around like prepared fighting positions air support uh drop ships coming in weapons blazing yeah. uh, could be really <laughs> like i'd be curious to see if they could implement that stuff i think mostly the thing I'm eager to see is them begin to unfold sort of the familiar history of Battletech yeah. uh, from this starting point. Like, the Fourth Succession War is around the corner, uh, narratively. And the other thing that really interests me here is that Hairbrain's spin on a lot of this stuff is, I think, a little more leftist-inflected than the original war yeah. necessarily was. For instance, like you see it right there in the... It took me a while to really figure out what was going on in the opening um, in the opening cinematic, which I love every time it comes up. Uh, the, the the dawn breaking over the horizon. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it so much. It's, 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 my, it's my cue that happy mech times are up again. <laughs> um, loading is complete. You can just get to, get to the mechs. Anyway, because in this video, 
They are unfolding familiar history in the BattleTech universe: the fall of the Star League, uh, the kill, the, the 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 killing of the last of the Camerons at the hands of Stefan the Usurper. But all from the standpoint of was the Star League totalitarian? Right. By the end, like was it like was were the Camerons tyrants? That's I haven't heard that before. That's a different that's a different view on this because BattleTech traditionally was very ah the noble prince needs to take power. The noble rulers need to uh, the you are rooting for explicitly in the Fourth Succession War the novels they wrote about them. You are explicitly rooting for a newly forged empire to just start rolling up. On everybody around them. Like they just become a superpower and their first step is to just like kill millions of people to like knock their enemies on their ass once and for all. And you're like, hell yeah, I hope they do it. Finish the finish them. And what interests me here is that I think in a lot of like subtle ways, this version of Battletech uh is a little more skeptical of that narrative. It doesn't buy into the, oh, the Outer Rim is techn- like technologically and culturally backwards uh-huh. and is inferior in every respect to the inner sphere where the settled uh, great powers are. It doesn't really buy into that. And so I'm very curious what this familiar history will look like as told from the standpoint of a harebrained schemes that seems much more critical of the types of narratives that Battletech has traditionally treated as its stock and trade. Yeah. Uh, to that, I'm not eager for the clans to come in uh, because I think they pose gameplay challenges. Yeah. Uh, the The direction Battletech went in the end was, what if everything just had more hit points and more damage? Uh, what, if, what if just more of everything? And it made it for a less balanced feeling, uh, more fluky uh, game. I'm very hesitant to see them take on those design challenges just yet. I'm quite happy with the uh, balance of power that exists in this universe. And I'd be curious to see them sort of linger over the fourth succession war for, you know, a full release cycle. I would be just really quickly interested in them making factions feel a little more important in the next one or like, like, what I want now that we've gotten this campaign that's very focused on like you being on the side of one person mm-hmm. is the other side of like like which which kind of does happen a little bit in the in in the in flashpoint yep. right where this new campaign system where you're just like floating around but like it's still within this faction system in of this game that isn't super it doesn't feel like the most impactful in your play usually so they're doing like, there are so there are a couple of things worth calling out that they actually try to step in that direction in flashpoint and maybe even just in the mm. base update that hit because some of that stuff is just like the reputation system is just part of the most recent patch so they completely overhauled mm. reputation to where you can just straight up be denied missions now because your reputation is too low interesting um and yeah. you gain access to new missions and also to cheaper the, it's still a store thing like cheaper parts um but eventually right. with flashpoint installed you also get access to allegiance only flashpoints so like if you max right. out your your relationship with the draconis combine not the draconis combine the who am i thinking of um draconis isn't or Draconis, who I, whoever I'm thinking, whatever, any any faction, right? If you say like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna just max things out with with Hal Steiner, like then then you'll get missions just from them. 
uh, that That's are cool. only for people who have maxed out reputation. So they're yeah. starting to go down that path with, with uh, Flashpoint. Flashpoint in general makes it feel like those other like the the major houses are actually here in the periphery or like actually doing some action like you're you're mm. dealing a little bit more with with some of the the major players um I definitely think you should try that out but I think you're also right they yeah. can continue to push that going forward and like narratively as well yeah. right like this idea of like maybe some branching narrative depending on where like you decide to put your allegiance mm-hmm. and like that sort of thing would be really interesting. Building back on on Robert, you were saying about the kind of skepticism uh, that this that this team seems to have um, uh, about what's come before, and and hopefully what they'll what they'll bring to the table in the fourth su- succession war. One of the things I love about it, that intro specifically, is it's modeled. I don't know if it's modeled after, but it re- recalls for me every civilization intro ever, where it's like, aha, yes. <laughs> The progress of humanity through through history and you know in battle it's like through the stars ah yes you're you're escaping the confines of of backwards earth and going out into, and then like, <laughs> immediately it's like nah dog like everything comes with you yep. like you don't get to escape yeah. gravity yep. um, and that is such a key part of what that game does uh and and the way that it understands power um though again like you do end up being the the dog of a of a of a noble family so i i am super curious to see how they how they deal with the succession war and then also just i think there's a way to do the clan invasion but i almost never want to be given a clan mech ever you know like They've already done it, like, giving you the assault mechs was already such a big deal, and one of the things that I think the most recent patch uh, and the new contracts that they've added from that did was make it so that even assault classes aren't invulnerable. Uh, I mean, they weren't before, but the mission types that I've been getting are actually putting me in threat in a way that I was not under threat uh, in the main campaign by the end, and especially even in regular contracts at the end. I was just, like, mowing over everything. But now, even a smaller tier contract puts some of my best pilots at, at risk in a way that I didn't expect. And I, I think I want that to be like where the t- where the, the top is. I would love to go against a, fl- uh, a squadron of clan mechs down the road and just be completely outgunned and just like put me on the fucking back end of that thing. Give me the version <laughs> of a campaign where I lose, right? Like yeah. push me back against the fucking wall and lose and lose and lose again make me go deeper and deeper into debt instead of just having that zero. I mean, that's the other thing I would love is a system that's like right now, if you hit zero, you lose the game. It gives you some warnings that you're getting there, but like there is no function for like, all right, I'm going to do some free missions for someone to get myself out of debt. I'm going to slowly work my way back out or I'm going to become for me, every game I want, I want it to end up being romance of the three kingdoms, 10, which lets you (laughs) go from being, goddamn near the emperor of china to being a single soldier who maybe leads one battalion of of roaming troops who can assign themselves uh, at a moment's notice to a warlord and fight for some honor in a in a battle and maybe get an appointment somewhere um so that sort of breadth of experience from you know merc who has it all to like i am really scrimping and saving it's me and my two mechs and that is it could be really fun um (laughs) 
also just excited about the next the next update, which is urban combat, right? Uh, or urban warfare, which hopefully will add some city maps. And Ooh. we got some of those in the we get like some city type things in the main campaign, but there are not just randomly generated or or, or pool from a pool or a bucket uh, urban maps in the contracts mode. I want more of those because that is a style of fighting that is really cool in BattleTech, and that looks really good even in MechWarrior Five Mercenaries, which Rob and I watched a. a <laughs> A live demonstration of a couple of weeks ago at MechCon. We weren't at MechCon, but we were watching it together on Twitch. Um, and like, I forget how cool it is to have mechs walk. I, mean, I don't forget this. I think about it all the time. Mechs walking down <laughs> avenues, you know, uh, separated by giant office buildings and skyscrapers and and warehouses. And, and there's a, such a different vibe about that. So I'm really curious to see how that expansion turns out. In any case, we've already gone long. Uh, uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Rob, where can people find you? At Rob Zachney. Uh, Kato, how about you? At A underscore Kato underscore appears. You can follow everything Waypoint does at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice, and right here at waypoint.vice.com. Uh, thank you to Mello, to Two Mello, for letting us use uh, one of his tracks for all of these these. Uh, podcasts i don't know which track it is yet we're still working on it so you can find all of his music at two mellow makes.bandcamp.com or at mellow makes m-e-l-l-o makes on twitter um stick around we will be back tomorrow with another podcast of some sort probably uh and then and then likewise you know actually i don't know when the release schedule is here but in any case i hope you all have a good holiday and uh everyone tonight should should you know have a drink on behalf of our our fallen comrade decker he deserves it (laughs) rest in peace peace (laughs) rest in peace When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.